It has been a glorious vacation, and uh, welcome to our first service of the day. We have one more happening here at 10.30. Thank you for those of you who are joining us online. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to the media and sound group. They are the unsung heroes, here early, leaving late, making all this happen, and uh, we appreciate everything you guys do. Um, I'm particularly excited about the Fall Fest. We're, we decided, you know what, what's something we could do that would be easier access and inviting to the town? And so the team said, let's do something outside and set up booths for that and share outside. And so this is the first time in a long time that actually the fire department, but also the police department will be here for our kids. And I'm not even nervous about the police being here. It's great. I'm a new person, new creation. And uh, uh, it... And so we just, uh, we're excited. It's going it's to be a great time for kids, great time for you, uh, and to see the many things that are here. Some of us, we come to church and we go, and we come to church and we go, and, and we're, we're really desiring to see God impact all areas of our life. And sometimes it's just that one extra step that can be the game changer. And so we're, we're very big on next steps. Every single one of us has one to take them. Maybe it's being consistent in church. Maybe it's... Uh, going to next. I mean, if you've never gone through next, whether you've been here for a long time or not, you really need to see how things work and flow. It's a four-week class. It happens on a regular basis, and it shows you not only who we are, but it also shows who you are and where you fit. And we believe four things are biblical and what we're all about. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Uh, once you find that purpose and you lock into its significance, makes all the difference in the world. Some of us think that money changes everything. You know what? Some of the, some, so many people I know, when they finally come into money, they're, they're trying to find significance. And they end up doing things with those finances to make a difference. Doesn't matter what your resource is. We all have been resourced by God. And it, it's our opportunity to take that extra step forward. So encourage you to go to next. If you've never been to next, whether you've been here for years or not, that's, that's your next step. And so the next step for us here this morning is our time of giving. We believe, uh, although I wish that uh, the federal government would send us funds and I wish that the state would fund us, everything that we do here is funded by you. This month, your giving went to a, a particular pastor in Africa, in Uganda, where the northern half of that country has been radically impacted by children soldiers and a warlord. And when COVID shut down, the nation shut down, there was no food, there, there was no uh, work, people were not free to go about. And he reached out to us and said, Pastor Paul, Pastor Dylan, we have nothing to eat. The government is doing nothing for us. And we turned and we took the finances that you've given and we directed them out. And so we're just so grateful that we can make a difference not only here, but also around the world. It's a great verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and it reads like this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Notice he's talking about food, but then he talks about righteousness. See, there's a rhythm in our life. There are principles at work. Most of the, of the world up until 100 years ago were farmers, so this would make sense to them, but uh, there's no farmers among us here this morning. But if you're going to farm, you need two things. You need a season of sowing and a season of harvest, and that's what the seed is. The seed is, is what you sow into the ground and you have to wait you don't always reap when you sow but the truth is is that we always reap more than we sow when it comes to God and when you plant that seed and it grows he not only gives seed to the sower but he also gives food and will multiply your seed for sowing which means he doesn't say he's going to multiply your bread he's going to multiply your seed and many of you are faithful sowers into the kingdom of God, patient waiters in that you've given even in your hour of need. And I want you to know we are making a difference 
One thing to glorify God about, this, this month we were requested to be part of a committee in the town for an initiative called Housing First. We all know the pervasiveness of homelessness in our area, but the police department has just come into a large sum of money. They've asked us to come on the board. They said, we're finding that we can't wait for people to overcome their addiction and we can't wait for people to overcome maybe the mental illness that they struggle. We want to get them in a home first and then we can work on those things. And they asked us to be a part of that. And that is just a miracle in and of itself. So we believe that many of the people who attend this church, many of the people in our community and town are gonna to find themselves in home. Uh, and thank, thank God for that. I say all that because this pastor every once in a while has to go through the camera footage that we have for security here. And it's a very, it's, it's not uncommon for us to look out the front camera to the entranceways and on a Sunday before church to see a sleeping bag with somebody sleeping on it so that they can be here for service in the morning. And that's what Serve Our City is all about. I don't mean to go on a ramp, but I just, just want to share this with you. Sometimes it's just good for us to hear that we're making a difference. We're not just making a program here. We're making a difference in the city of Lowell. And we just thank God for that. And you're making a difference with your giving. And so we invite you if, you, if these are the kind of things that move you, if these are the kind of things that excite you, we encourage you to come to serve our city that's taking place today after second service. But we also encourage you to give. This is, this is how we sustain what we do. This is how we do online service, how we do homeless outreach, and, and I could go on and on with divorce care, grief share, and uh, uh, celebrate recovery for addiction. So many things God is doing here, small miracles. We need to make them more public to you. But three ways that you can give here. The first is you can give in person. There are boxes on the corners of the doors and in the, in the post in the foyer in front of the Welcome Center. Feel free to take an envelope and throw it in there. Second way that you can give is online. Any of you that are watching online each week right now when we have this part of service, we drop that in there. And then last but uh, not least and probably the most effective, you can go online by texting the word Lowell, L-O-W-E-L-L-A-G, to 77977, and it will prompt you with a complete, secure, protected way for you to give online. And we just want to say thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your kindness. The Bible says, he who cares for the poor lends to the Lord. God takes our giving to that personally. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said that you love a cheerful giver. There isn't a single person here that we would ever want to give disgruntledly. There isn't a single person we'd ever want to give uh, because they don't and they feel uh, manipulated or pushed. But you look for cheerful givers. And yet you also have principles that we always, we never reap when we sow but we always reap more than we sow. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would just awaken the harvest in people's lives who, who have great needs in this hour of the economy. And Lord, even for this church, that your kingdom would advance. Lord, multiply the fish and loaves. Keep the oil pouring. And God, I pray that you would just, when when we least expect it, you would provide wins and miracles for every single one of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your generosity. I am uh, coming out of two weeks of vacation. I even slept in so much I showed up late to prayers before service started. It was some kind of pastor. But uh, it, it, it wasn't uncommon because the person that's speaking today was a, my teacher. And I was late to class from time to time. How many of you would confess? You're like, yep, once in a while, I was late. Thank you, see those hands. She, she was here with Mike Caparelli a few weeks ago. She is a motherly example, a woman of God. I would classify a prophetess, meaning somebody who hears from God and gives a timely word, looks at the culture, looks at God's word, and delivers truth. And I tell you what, I am excited. Uh, this, this, Iris Pelly has legacy here in this church. When, when Pastor Guyverson was here, she was part of those that were praying. She was part of those services. She leaned over to me a couple of weeks ago and she said to me, Paul, there are prophetic words and tears in the, in the foundation of this building yet to be fulfilled. 
that, that, that Pastor Guyverson continually prayed that the Lord would bring in souls, that the Lord would bring in souls. And this has been, despite COVID, a time where God has been doing it. But I believe that the best is yet to come. We're not going to be limping through masks for the rest of our lives. And we're not going to be wandering in fear. And interest rates rise and fall. Recessions come and go. But the word of the Lord stands firm forever. And I believe that God is going to pour out a spirit on us, that the best is ahead of us. And so we've invited her to come to speak this morning. I'm going to ask if Iris would make her way here. And as she's doing that, I also want to point out uh, that Reverend Jenny Tafano is here. And she was like a mom. And she was because I was friends with her daughter, her son, and grew up at uh, North, North Providence Assembly of God, who Pastor Mike Caparelli came from. She actually went with that church plant and she's been doing ministry there. And she just leaned over to me this morning and she said, she just said, it's just so amazing to, I remember when you were like this, I thought she was going to pinch my cheeks, you know? And I remember when, when it was, you were just young and now she was listening to Dylan pray and saying, the work continues. God raises up the next generation. And you are so known and loved in this congregation that Sandy Adamson went out of her way to buy you flowers, but we don't give you the same bouquet in first service and second service. She made sure that there were two flowers, uh, two bouquets for you. And so, yeah, we love you. We're excited. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Let it rip. <laughs> if we could get a water. That's so interesting that he would say, let it rip. Because I remember when I was in school, someone take my flowers to Jen, you're going to, Pastor Jen, you're going to have one of these bouquets. Anyway, thank you so much for that. But I remember uh, when I was in uh, what they call Zion then, you know, it was over 50 years ago, so you can just guess, I'm 110, uh, that, that we used to say, that's how you're supposed to release, that's how you're supposed to release tension, is three times a day, put your arms up in the air and say as loud as you can, let it rip, let it rip, let it rip. So let's just let it rip this morning, praise the Lord. You know, it's so good to be here, and I, I, I don't have a lot of time for, I always have too much to say. As you get older, you have too much to say, so you have to kind of try to get it down. You know, sometimes the thoughts are coming out my ears, um, and I need somebody to talk to and, and tell them some of the things I'm thinking. But I do uh, want to be sure I give you, uh, in this first service, some of the main points of what I'm here to say today. Because uh, strangely enough, I had an experience two weeks ago when I was here. I was sitting in that front row by Paul, and I really don't see things. You know, I, I, don't, I really, I see them in my head. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there in that front row, and I'm telling you, I mean, you can call me back later and don't stone me, but they do that, did that in the Old Testament. But as I was sitting there, I saw on the floor all this, these green sprouts coming up, just bursting up out of the floor with uh, new fruit on it. And I'm like, oh, wow. And uh, immediately there came to my mind a sermon that I preached over 40 years ago. Not in this facility, but it was in the Lowell Assembly of God in the little white church. And so I know that that sermon was good then. I also know it was prophetic it's better now. So give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Praise God. I know that the, uh, the, what I'm speaking out of this morning a lot of times takes uh, quite a bit of background to build a context, but I'm asking you to, for this once, believe I know what I'm talking about. Uh, 
I'm going to lift it, not out of context, but in the middle of a larger context that would need some explaining, and more explaining than I have time to share with you today. And because it's from a book that is not often spoken about, uh, for a number of reasons, I won't go into them all, I believe that there will be more emphasis on this book in the days that are ahead. I just want to comfort you by telling you that the, about this book, which is the Song of Solomon, that the Jewish people uh, considered this book, to, they said that all their other books was holy, but the Song of Solomon was the holy of holies. And they were very careful about interpreting or speaking about this book, and yet they seem to dig below the imagery, which is a lot of the book is imagery, and they dug below that imagery to say that they felt that underneath what looked like what you're reading was really a picture of God's love for Israel. And so even in the early church, which is uh, for a number of years, this book was also preached uh, by many in the, in the early church recorded in tradition that it also spoke of not just married love as it is seen here, but spoke of the love of Jesus for his church. And through the years, as I have uh, preached from this book and have had a, an illumination, not a revelation, but an illumination of its passages, I see in its pages not just the fact that it is speaking of the love of Jesus for his church as a whole and our love for him, also of the love of Jesus for us as individuals and a love for him, but also I have seen in this book the growth of the church throughout its pages until the end when it comes to a place of maturity, as well as speaking to us in our own individual lives, wherever we may be, of our own journey with the Lord and our love for him and his love for us and our coming to maturity. So with saying all that, I think it's time you read your text. I'm speaking uh, this morning from Song of Solomon, chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 8. There are threescore queens and fourscore concubines and virgins without number. My dove, that's, that's Solomon speaking, that's Jesus speaking, my undefiled is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of all that bear her. The daughters saw her and blessed her. Yea, the queens and the concubines, they praised her. Verse 10 is my text. Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and awesome as an army with banners? Reading on, I went down into the garden of nuts to see the fruits of the valley, and to see where the vine flourished and the pomegranates budded. Or ever I was aware, 
My soul made me like the chariots of Aminadab. Return. Return, O Shulamite. Return. Return. That we may look upon thee. What will you see in the Shulamite? As it were, the company of two armies. This is a prophetic word concerning and coming to the fullness of God's work with his church before he takes them home to be his forever bride. And in this particular passage, we are asked to identify her clearly. Who is she? Not only what she is promised to be, but what she has become. Not only what we have hoped her to be, hoped us to be, hoped we've, what we've preached us to be, what we've prophesied us to be, but it's all of a sudden, my husband, I have to give him credit, he's 91, he's in a nursing home, and he would just not like it if I said something that he told me and I didn't give him credit. <laughs> he says, it takes God a long time to work suddenly. And this is what we see here. There has been this journey when all of a sudden people of interest begin to say, what is there about her, the church, that is different? What is about what she is saying about her source that is different? But there has to be a living example of who she is. There has to be a producing of who she is. And what we see here is that she bursts upon the season she bursts upon a, and in conjunction with a mourning. She bursts upon the world without warning. And you cannot hold her back. Like you cannot hold the mourning back. She bursts out of the darkness. Behind her is the promises of God. In front of her is the promises of God. It doesn't mean she has been perfect. She has been only perfect under the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and has fulfilled her journey to that point. But she is so identified with the morning, she is so identified with the season that they are one, that there has been a preparation of their heart, that there has been a preparation of their, of their life, there has been a preparation of the church as a whole in a very unusual way. And what does it say? They are but one. How can they be made one? How can they become one? How can they become what they ought to be when there is so many divisions and so much difference of seeing? Not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. She is one of her mother out of the womb of the new Jerusalem, out of the, out of the womb of that which governs our earth. Who is she that looketh forth as the morning? As she comes forth, she comes forth with hope. 
gives us endurance. Faith helps us work through the night. But hope helps us rejoice in vision. Hope helps us rejoice in the morning, that the morning has come. Not that we're waiting for the morning, but hope and the morning are sort of intertwined. I am beginning to see the light. Praise the Lord. I really believe that in this hour that there is hope arising in God's people. And the source of hope is not ourselves. We can be beaten down by the things of life, by, by the war that we have continually with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And faith may remain, but hope is hard to grab a hold of. But the God of hope, and this is what I want to speak to you this morning, this is what I want to say to you this morning, that it doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter how we feel, it doesn't matter if our head is hanging down and we only have a little faith, that the God of hope is coming. And the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace in believing and I proclaim that in this hour we are going to begin to abound in hope. Give the Lord a hand. So who is she? Hard to describe. But she is as fair as the moon. Now, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen the moon. We have so much light, but it's really sort of manufactured light. Our cities are lit up, our streets are lit up, everywhere we go is lit up. I remember when, I, uh, when my daughter Laura was only uh, a couple of years old and I had to go to northern Maine, where I came from, for a funeral, and we went up what they call the Haynesville Woods, which is on the highway, which is probably, I don't know, it's 75 miles or almost uh, 50 or 75 miles. At that time, no light. And she said to me, Mommy, who turned out the light? because we lived on a busy road and there was lights coming in the window. Who turned out the lights? But we no longer, many places, in many places could see the moon, fair as the moon. I was brought up on a farm in northern Maine, potato farm. I remember that my father and mother, my, my grandparents had the big house across the road, across the yard, and my mom and dad at that time lived in the little house. And I have a very clear picture in my mind of my father, probably we had been at my grandmother's for dinner, uh, supper, we called it then, and I was on his shoulders, and he was walking across the yard, across the road, to the little house, but the moon was shining. And I said to my father, Daddy, see that moon? I want to ride on that moon. You could see as far as your eyes could see across the field, over where the wood line was, the cows in the pasture, and a very dark night because the moon was reflecting the sun. What was it? It was so comforting. 
It was so reassuring. There's so many mysteries. I even looked it up. There's so many mysteries. Even today, scientists say they don't know all the things about how the moon affects the earth. But the moon is very powerful. That it controls all the ocean shores of our world. You can talk, you can know when the tide is coming in by the minute. And when the tide is going out by the minute. Because the moon rules the tides. And he said, my beloved is fair as the moon. Do you know what, people? More and more, we are reflecting the sun. More and more, we're going to, and this church is going to, spread over the lives of people. And they're not going to see the artificial light, but they're going to feel the comfort of the moon, the church. So many times, it's when the moon is shining that people hear words of love. And he said he was going to give the moon, what? To rule by night. Hallelujah. The moon, that's a picture. Jesus, in his own preaching, used so many things as a picture of things we could not explain. He used the natural to show us the spiritual. And I want to tell you that we are powerful in this world. In this present world, we, the Bible tells us, when the church is removed from the culture, Satan will have free reign. But I want to say this morning that he does not have free reign right now. Like the moon rules the tides and says this far and no further. And sometimes there's a catastrophic event where something happens that brings them up to sweep people away. God also allows certain catastrophic events in our world to bring us closer to God, to make us aware of God. Judgment <clears throat> is God's last resort. And always within it is a call to himself. The moon. She's like the moon. That's what we're going to be as we go out there. We're going to say, who went by us? What was that influence? Who blessed me at the cash register? Who said, have a good day, and they meant it? Who asked me on the street, how am I doing? Who said to me, can I pray for you? And they feel an odd comfort and don't understand why. Because it is the church, it is the bride of Christ, that is shining like the moon and fair as the sun. Hallelujah. I remember also uh, the Bible tells us very clearly, and I did a little, you know, looking up things on the sun, but it was too much for my mind. And you wouldn't remember all the things anyway. All I know is one thing really impressed me, that it would take three of our earths to cover the face of the sun. He gave the billions of degrees Fahrenheit in his center. They warn us that in over 500, uh, is it billion years? That's what they say, it's going to burn out. 
But my mind can't get around all that. All I know, it says that she is like the sun. And the sun is what brings the life, the light, and the growth on this earth. Who is she? That is bright as the sun. Malachi tells us that unto us who fear his name shall he arise. The S-U-N of righteousness with healing in his rays, in his wings. I also know about this very practically because I lived on the farm when we had a new calf. I always named them as a child. I remember one in particular that I really loved named Ginger. And I knew one thing about a calf that was born in the winter or towards spring. Whenever we let them out to pasture, you talk about leaping and running and eating the green grass was the calves. And they grew, and they grew. If they only knew where they were going, because some of them grew so fast. I remember hiding behind the big iron stove in our kitchen at a little cubby hole the day they took Ginger away to come back as meat. And I cried, and I said, I will never eat that meat. There's a progression here. There's the morning, there's the evening, there's the moon, there's the morning, there's the sun, and he gave the sun to rule the day. But who is she that cometh forth not only as the morning, not only as the moon, not only as the sun? Who is she? She is the triumphant ruler at the end of the age. She comes forth as a mighty army with banners. Awesome. Awesome. This is not a dress-up parade. This is not banners because we say what we believe is going to happen in the future. This may be bloodstained banners flying. Just lift up your hands. This is banners. This is banners with a multitude of people following. Hallelujah. That have been snatched from the gates of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is banners where God is working with us. This is banners where the promises become actuality. This is banners when obedience produces results. This is banners because it is God's timing for the offensive. Hallelujah. And it says, Oh, you know what it says immediately here? Oh, she says, let me get to the valley. Let me see where the fruit is. This is the only thing that's going to bring us joy in the future is because of the harvest that's coming upon 
our nation and upon this world as the final harvest is gathered in. Yes, Jesus is coming. Yes, I believe it's soon. But yes, he is coming before he's coming. He's coming before his coming, and nothing is going to hold him back. And he says, it says immediately that he rides here. He gives us again pictures from other parts of the Bible for every part of it, reveals other parts of it. I'll ride upon the chariots of my willing people. What is wonderful about this, Pastor Paul, is that everybody's willing. Imagine what you have to say, what you have to do, what you have to present, what you have to guarantee, what you have to, how you have to work at it to get people to be willing, but to keep them willing. But the Holy Spirit is working in our wills to make us willing that he might ride on the chariots of our heart and do what he purposes to do. What is he waiting for? Us? Of course, none of you are stubborn. Uh, you know, all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I was 81. And I'm I still dealing with what they call the old man. The old man should be totally dead by now. But more and more I'm willing. More and more I'm yielded. More and more I say yes more quickly. More and more I want to see God work more than I want my own way. And it's happening everywhere. Hallelujah. More and more we're willing. And it is so evident here that he is riding, he is moving in concert with us. And what is happening? People are saying, what went by me? What's happening? Something different is happening in our culture. Something different is happening in our towns and our cities. What is happening? They're getting out of the church. They're not trying to get us in. They're coming out. They're beginning to rule our culture. They're beginning to invade our places, our places. They're beginning to sit with our sinners. They're beginning to feed our poor. And it says, what went by? And he says, return. Return, O Shunammite. I want to see you again. I want to know if you're real. I want to know if this is just another whim or fancy. I want to know if this is just another campaign. Return, O oh, return, O oh, Shulamite. Then it says, I see something. I see the company of two armies. And the reference it refers to is when Jacob was going to meet his brother before he had his hip put out of place. Now, I don't think I really did that. And I don't, gee, oh, God didn't change my name because I had to have a new hip, by the way. But I see two armies. And it says of Jacob, as he comes to the place where he is still Jacob, 
He knows he has to meet Esau, but he is on the brink of a name change. And in that place, in that place where he camped, he saw the angels of God. And he named it Mahanaim, the place of two camps. There is not only an earthly army, there is great Disturbance in the heavenlies. There is great conflict between right and wrong. But as we, as the children of God, listen to the Lord of hosts, he is going to bring together the earthly and the heavenly. And the heavens are going to invade earth. And there will be no other explanation, but there is a God who reigns. Hallelujah. Will you just bow your head? I preached this 40 years ago. It was not as clear to me then as it's clear to me now. It was like the Spirit had touched my eyes and I was like the blind man who saw men as trees walking. Things were fuzzy, but real. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly. But I predict that in this hour, more and more, the Spirit is going to touch our eyes and we are going to see. It says in Revelation, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. And we will be able to see only as far sometimes as we can step. Because more and more we will trust our leader and our God. But I, I'd like to just ask you, you don't need to raise your hand. Has the Holy Spirit been teaching you lately? Has he been showing you different things in different ways? Has he been requiring a greater step of faith? Has he asked you to be more tender than you usually have been and not so judgmental? Has he required you to shine in places perhaps that you've never shown, been given your light before? People, we are all in a very strategic time and in a strategic place. Pastor Paul is not here at this time by accident. Neither is Pastor Dylan by accident. Neither are you by accident. And I believe your focus, and you know it, and Pastor Paul knows it, and Pastor Dylan knows it, your focus is harvest. I want to tell you, there's people prepared the preparations of the heart are of the Lord. And there are people out there, yes, that are sinning, but are sick of sin.
There's people out there today that are crying at night and saying, does anybody have an answer? And you are going out into the harvest. And if I would tell you, Pastor Paul, in agreeing with you, that your job right now is train the laborers. Very strategic. You have to be ready. You've got the facility. It's the people that's got to be ready to enter the harvest. Lift up not only three things, and I'm done. Number one, we have to look within. We've got to be one. We can't be one another with one another until we're one in our own hearts with one focus, one determination. David said, unite my heart to fear the Lord. You can't be one with your wife, your children, your family with a divided heart. You've got to be one with your brothers and sisters. Of course, in the oneness in our own heart, we become one with Jesus. And one in vision. Jesus is coming back. So you've got to lift up your eyes, but it's not an escape route. It's lift up your eyes to the harvest, for it is white. We used to sing a chorus, and I'll give you those words, harvest time, harvest time. The grain is falling, the rain is falling, the grain is falling. Oh, do not wait. It's growing late. Behold, the fields are white. The fields are white. Some of the harvest is going to drop into your hands. It's harvest. He's a seeking Savior. Jesus, we, we commit this word into your hands. Oh, the moon to rule the night, the sun to rule the day, but the church to rule in this hour and to bring in the harvest. We believe it, we know it, and we want to be part of it. It's good news. Very good news. God bless you. Praise God.